I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Steve, Ward, Mike, and Dan. Okay, now that you've met the crew again, we're going to talk a little bit today about what everyone's been doing so far. How about you start, Tom? You you never start, so you start this time. I love going first. Uh, man, I've played a lot of Malifaux this week. Like How much Malifaux? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> no, I think in the last week I've played about four games of Malifaux. Oh, right on. That's awesome. So that's pretty awesome. Pretty wicked. Uh, I haven't had a chance to paint any models though, which oh. is kind of bad. Uh, a collective boo, like oh. that's terrible. Yeah. <sighs> At put, least you're rolling dice. I put or, to, no, you're not even no, rolling I'm dice. Not. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk he's, about that later. You are literally cards. not rolling dice. Although I did put together some firestorm. Right on. Cool. Which faction? Rathosa. More Rathosa. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Ward? What have you been working on? Uh, I have been building more terrain. I more Bastion working. Uh, I have done some Firestorm as well. I uh, painted some yellow on my Ryushi. Yay! Yay! I exactly. don't know if one color counts. Work. Well, multiple multiple layers of yellow on the Ryushi. How about that? Does that work for you? Uh, Not really. a little better. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll take pictures. You'll you'll like it. You'll enjoy it for sure. And then I've also played some uh, Attack Wing. What will those pictures be of, just for clarity? <laughs> it, it'll be some a yellow blob. I'll just take a picture of a dog <laughs> in a field. I really hope Ryushi's not a euphemism. <laughs> oh, it's yellow. <laughs> you should see a doctor. I also played some Attack Wing. Uh, no, not Attack Wing. X-Wing. I played against Dan a couple games in the last week and a half. Yeah, and one of them was fun. One of them I won! <laughs> That's not the one I'm talking about. Uh, Ward actually won a game, which is was kind of amazing. My wife has asked me, she's like, why are you playing so many games with Dan lately? I'm like, I'm due to win, so as soon as I win, <laughs> I will take a little bit of a break. So, so yeah, mission accomplished. Woo! Yeah, so that was good, and I think that's about it for me. All right, Mike, what about you? Uh, actually, I got uh, mostly painting for me, and I did actually play uh, quite a bit of Malifaux, maybe not as much as Tom, but I played three games, uh, and I got a whole uh, gang painted up in one week. Uh, the Sonya grid's all done. I also started painting my Firestorm stuff up, uh, my Aquins. I uh, got one cruiser done, and I'm half done the battle carrier and the battleship. Which you actually brought over and looks awesome. Oh, yeah, I really enjoy it, actually. It's it's, it's a lot of blues, but it's good. You had that, uh, so you're trying to make it look like a bioluminescent fish. Yes, and I think you're actually see. pulling it off, so it's yeah. pretty cool. But you let Tom touch your model, so I don't know if that's good. Ooh, down Bad down dice rolls is all you're going to get from this <laughs> moment forward. Speaking of which, what did you do, Steve? I stomped your face because of your dice. It was actually incredible. I, we played, yeah, me and Tom played a game. Uh, I was playing the Knights again, still getting a little bit of tournament prep in. And you played my uh, Craft World Eldar, and you had a fourth turn. That was possibly the worst set of dice I've ever seen rolled in a miniature game. I killed two Space Marines! Two Space Marines. It was like a, so the Craft my, my Eldar list is meant to sort of have like a fourth turn, pretty serious hammer blow, and he killed two Space Marines. It was, it was pretty much game over. But other than that, uh, game I also played a game against a good friend of mine at our game club, uh, which I beat him with my knights as well. So it was a pretty successful week for me. And on top of that, 
I managed to get a ton of, uh, not a ton, two Space Marine vehicles, base coated and uh, ready to go for some weathering, and I got my night main chassis all done, so I'm well on my way to getting ready for Onslaught. Awesome. How about you, Dan? Um, as always, very very scatterbrained hobby-wise. I picked a whole bunch of tiny little projects, got things built and primed, and decided I don't know what color to paint them, and just started building more things. Tell me about your last cannons. <laughs> I, I'm in, oh, I'm I forgot all about that. There was just like a blank stare on my face for a second there. Yeah, I was working on the Predator that I built a couple weeks ago. I was doing up the Sponsons, and I kind of half took one apart because I realized it would be easier to like do sub-assemblies for painting. And totally rebuilt it backwards. You got so now I have beat. Yeah, I now have uh, two left shoes or left sponsons, I guess, for my predator. So in other news, I'm going to be buying another predator because <laughs> I don't want to break those like hinged parts apart and try to rebuild them again. That is just not going to happen. Admittedly, so. you did want to buy another one, right? Yes, I was going to buy another one anyway, but now it is slightly higher on the priority list because <laughs> having a Predator with two left Sponsons is not going to fly. You could shoot one backwards and one forwards. That's true. Would get me some really unique firing arcs. Is that like a crazy Ivan maneuver? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that. And uh, as Ward was mentioning, there were a couple of games of X-Wing. One that went swimmingly and the other that was not so good. And yeah. Good for some people. <laughs> it's all about perspective, I suppose. But uh, yeah, so I think that was me for this week. Okay, awesome. Well, as we talked about last week, we're going to get into a little bit of detail about the new guard releases. And because we're a little bit more hobby focused, we're going to spend this week just talking about the new models that have been released. So that's going to be the Scions, which are the new Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. Uh, the Taurus, which looks amazingly fun. Not the Taurus. Not the Taurus. That is a Ford car that was kind of bad. Oh. <laughs> now pretty good, but beside the point, that's Taurox. a Taurox. Yeah. Right. I wrote that down wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the new Commissar and the Hydra slash Wyvern kit, oh, which apparently Games Workshop is going to sell you as two different kits. Or at least not tell you that they're the same kit if you look at the website. Interesting. <laughs> There's also the Ogrins, the new Ogrins. Yes. Oh, yeah. right. Ogrins, yes. Bulgrins, whatever they are. The combo what? kit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's the five kits then, essentially? Sure. Okay. So let's start off talking. <laughs> what do you guys think of the new Scions? Oh, they're hot. I really like them. I like, they gave a, the Stormtroopers a whole new rough and rugged and, and mean look to them. And I, I think they really needed it. The masks look glorious on them, I think. I mean, not much that a... a it's just they look really hot. What can I say? They're a really good sculpt. Yeah, oh, yeah. I totally agree. I mean, as somebody that I kind of like the old stormtroopers, like the old SES looking ones from like Armageddon era. Okay, but I really like them. I like the Kazarkin. I really like these new plastic ones though. They look a little bit more uniquely 40k. That's exactly what I'm saying. As opposed to a little bit more, like not so much with the Kazarkin, but the SAS guys were very like real world military. Yeah, I have 30 of the Kazarkin and the SAS guys. You're only right. 30? I know, only 30. I <laughs> bought them from Ward of all things. I did, I did. I bought like tons and then I sold them all. Yeah, Ward, Tom, <laughs> and I each at one point had about 120 of them. So yeah, so I, I <laughs> it's uh, my weights. I actually, yeah. <laughs> I really like the uh, the Kazarkin. I think they're really cool because they do have like a very realistic feel and look to them. Yeah, but the new ones actually look like they belong in the Imperium. They don't have skulls all over them. They've got very <laughs> moderate skulls. It's it's amazing. Yeah, but they've got that like baroque armor, which they yes. said in the White Dwarf they were going for, and I think mm -hmm. they pulled it off pretty good. They are my favorite new model. Um, so my vote goes to the new Stormtroopers. 
or whatever you want. We're to voting call. now. Okay. I'm okay. Just, I'm well, just, apparently I'm, we bypassed talking about just, every model and just vote. I'm just saying these are my favorite. I, I can I can throw my two cents in the other ones, but these ones are going to be my favorite. I've seen some new model uh, paintings with these, uh, with like the broken armor. I think I showed you guys last week. Uh, I don't want to post on the site because it's somebody's painting and that I haven't seen, but it looks friggin' gorgeous. I'll show you later. Don't worry. Okay. Awesome. Uh, they are they are my favorite. I agree. Um, I'm glad they're not. They don't have berets. Uh, I think they look. They do have berets. You can build them with berets. It comes they, with like 15 heads. They look Why terrible. haven't I seen the new beret? Because okay. no one wants to use them. Terrible. Well, the new one. I knew I like the goggles and everything like that. I. I uh, we all kind of I guess push push the berets out of our heads because they're. Terrible heads, like they're just god awful. The helmets look really good. Way I haven't good. seen the faces of the berets because I think the sprues on the website you only see the back of the head, which does they you know painted good. ones. <laughs> they're bad. Like okay, the red well, berets. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they, I guess is, I have just mind wiped myself. <laughs> it, it still is my favorite kit for sure. So, and I mean, like honestly, even over was, the ogrens. Oh, over the ogrens, yes, absolutely. Because there's one ogren that I love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about the ogrens then. So, the Ogrens, I don't think you're going to see a lot on the table, which is a shame. Uh, we're going to talk about rules later, but the models themselves, I think, are the best Ogrens they've done yet, especially the Bulgrins with, like, the shield thing going on. Is this, One your, of them. Is this your favorite kit? Uh, I, I know I'll talk. I actually like the Kamazar more, this single Kamazar. <laughs> I, I like his plasma pistol and his pose. I think it's really cool. But the Bulgrins Steve are second. Steve loves the plasma pistol. <laughs> yeah, it's so useful in 40k. You always take a plasma pistol. It's Absolutely. It'll be the best. So uh, the Bulgrins? The Bulgrins. They, like, one of them's got, like, the tank tread on his shield and stuff. Like, it clearly just looks like they are cobbled together, terrible, armored idiots. It's lovable. And the one that I really like is the guy with the Kamazar hat. Who looks like he's he's <laughs> pretending to be an officer? Yeah, I think that's Nork to dog with. Is that actually Nork? Yeah, and I think his like um, he's got a big speaker on his yeah. shoulder for presumably giving good orders to the ogrens, <laughs> not just whatever the hell he can come up with. Good ogres. But yeah, so his the speaker looks like a commissar, so they're probably like you know trained to obey commissars, so they obey the speaker that looks like one. I think it's awesome. So they're basically dogs. Yes. <laughs> his name is the dog. Yeah, that's true. Nork the dog. How about you, Tom? What do you think was what? What do you think of the? Uh, we'll move on to your favorite model, the Taurus. <laughs> Man, I think it's a very, very economical vehicle. Good fuel efficiency. They had, they had some small problems in rust, but beside that, yeah. uh, honestly, I think everyone at this table can agree that the Torox, the chassis looks really cool, and the idea was awesome. But why the hell did they give it two small tall. treads? Tall, like, super yes. tall. Short treads. Yeah, a little weird. Now, yeah. have, has everybody seen the two variations already? The one with the wheels and then the one with the, I think it's the Camara chassis treads on both sides? Yeah, there's a couple of conversions that are making the rounds. I know there's a few of those third-party websites where you can order all kinds of whatever accessories. Some of them are doing conversion kits for wheels. I think Anvil Industries and Zinge Industries are both Oh, yeah. It. Zinge makes sense because they've got that crazy battle vehicle thing with the four wheels or the six wheels or whatever it is, right? They've, they've got kind of like a weird like motorcycle tank thing yeah. that is hilarious and awesome. But, yeah, so there's definitely a couple of kits doing that. And some folks have just kit-bashed two GW tanks. Yeah. And both of those do give some good options that actually look like it might be able to like drive more than five feet without falling apart. <laughs> and it honestly kind of reminds me, I don't know if any of you saw that Mythbusters episode where they saw, they're trying to see if square tires would work. 
Uh, oh, yeah, actually, they, that uh, is. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> that well, is a thing. They, they really do don't, and they really they did it. <laughs> <laughs> and they even tried to see if it worked better going uphill, and the matter of fact is they just never work. They just kind of explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, so we've covered... I like the, the Commissar. I think the new kit's pretty cool. It's, it's standalone mini. No one's... If, if you haven't seen it, take a look at it. Uh, but moving Beautiful on to sculpt. the, very I nice. think it's good. Uh, moving on to the Hydra Wyvern. What do you guys think of that? I think that the chassis itself is basically every other Chimera chassis that you've ever seen. But um, the turret on it is actually pretty cool. I mean, I didn't notice from the first pictures that it's open topped. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago before the show. But yeah, if you actually check out the 360 spinner view on the website, you can see the interior detail. The crew members work in the thing, and the computer screens on it, and all that sort of a thing. And the it's actually quite it. nice, yeah. It's actually quite nice from behind. I quite like it. How about you, Mike? What do you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this from behind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I totally missed that. I was just moving right on. What do you think, Mike? Well, I, I think it's a pretty decent model, but like I said, it's 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 a standard GW fair tank. It doesn't get me really excited. It's not that much different. It's still a yeah, it's chimera. Still a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a new turret, but it's the same tank you've been seeing for the last and, ten years. Yeah, so I can't really get excited about that. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's pretty. It does I, neat stuff. Okay. I have to admit that I I like the new Hydra. I think it's uh, I think it's good, and I'm glad they finally have non Forge World uh, model for it. But the Wyvern. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, because of the rules, opposite to the Bulgrins and Ogrins, but it is, they could have done something cooler with it than just removing the Hydra's barrels. Let's put mortars on an anti-air turret. Yeah, it it it, it could have been cool because the, uh, the guard are kind of missing some of those, like, um, I guess, iconic artillery tanks. The like Bombard they don't have, and the Colossus yeah, exactly. and that sort of a thing. But doing this one, I just, I kind of, I feel like they might have missed it a little bit. I think it's, yeah, seems like definitely a bit of a cop-out. It's, I mean, to, it's my least favorite out of yeah. all the new kits. I'm not excited. Yeah, because again, it's it's the same chassis. Well, yeah, you look at like yeah, yeah. a Space Marine uh, Stalker Hunter, which I've been putting together this week. You have two very different turrets. Yes, uh, they look distinctly different. Yeah, and one is clearly different function than the other. Whereas this one, it's like, I just forgot to put the barrels on. Well, not only that, but you look <laughs> at that kit, and it also adds something new to the Rhino chassis. Yeah, it's a huge It's got component. the new sides, the new front, so you're getting the same basic structure of the kit, but it's fundamentally a different model. Cool. Which is really nice and exciting, whereas I feel like they kind of dropped the ball with a lot of the guard tanks that they release. Mm -hmm. Where just new turret, done. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I honestly, for, for me, I would say like I would give five pucks to the new Stormtroopers, four pucks to the new uh, Taurus. Really? <laughs> that, high? <laughs> that high, that high. That would, it would be my, my second favorite kit out of all. I'm not saying, like, will I build it that way? No, absolutely not. Uh, third, I would do the new Commissar, two pucks to the new Ogrins, and one puck to the new Hydra. Only two for the Ogrins. Well, I'm, right. go I'm going down from five. Okay? I give them a hard three. A hard three? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right. I guess our rating is going up. <laughs> As opposed to a flaccid two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's move on to Ward's favorite segment. Hobby break! <laughs> awesome. Although, unfortunately, he did shave the mustache, so he is no longer Hal Johnson. It'll come back, don't worry. <laughs> just, just give it a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So we decided we'd take a little bit of a break from looking at specific hobby tools and talk more about things you can use to help enhance your gaming experience. Yeah, this week is going to be a little less of a hobby break and more of a gaming break, I guess, in some ways. Hobby it's, review? Yeah, it's, it's Hobby a gaming different. review? Yeah, hey. it's cool. <laughs> How about a Matt review? A. A? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
Let's start it off. Uh, Steve, what gaming mat do you use, and why do you like it? Well, first of all, I have always used a GW mat. And moving, so now I went, uh, when I was down at the LVO, I bought one of the Frontline Gaming mats because it saved me a ton of shipping when I was down there. So I came back with their City Fight mat. I can't remember the exact name of the, uh, the one they have on uh, their website, what the product is exactly called. But it's the one where they actually have all the deployment zones marked out and all the, uh, yeah, it's got all the 40k deployment zones and it's made of that mouse pad material, like all the Frontline Gaming mats. And it is awesome. Because I play a ton of 40k, it's incredible, and I would highly recommend that mat if you are a 40k player. Uh, other than that, I've, I think, can we talk about maybe the GW products first as a comparison? Because most people, I think, have seen or used those GW products, first of all. Okay, well, let's talk like about the Realm of Battle mats first. Yeah, this is this go-to And by mats, I mean boards. You mean the boards. Okay, yeah. all right. That's not where I thought we were going, but okay. I, I thought we were going to go with the green <laughs> Well, let's start, let's oh, start, the green, with, the, let's the start at the bottom mat. with their grass mat, because I think that's what everybody has always that'll, seen. That'll be the entry level, I think. Absolutely. It's cheap. Sure. It's cheap. Everyone's seen it at one point or another, I'm sure. It's green, so it goes with every army. <laughs> More or less. Maybe not Space Wolves. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but my green mat is like, has this strange I'm stain proof effect. I don't know what it is. I, yes, I actually don't like the GW mats, not because they're bad or of poor quality, but because you see them everywhere. But I have the same one on a board, and it was that old paper one, which yep. they've since moved away from, okay, okay. and is impossible to stain. It is unbelievable. On the topic of playing with old games workshop mats, I've got the old, old, old flocked felt one. Oh, the <laughs> one that like turned your fingers green when you touched it? Yeah, but it's so good. Yeah, that was actually a good mat. I have <laughs> and that one also doesn't stain. Really? That's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> a felt mat covered in little pieces of kind of foam flock doesn't hold on to beer stains. So from the GW products, they have those grass mats, and everybody's seen them, everybody's used them. What would you rate one, uh, Dan? Well, at the end of the day, they're they're fairly simplistic compared to some of the other ones, but they are solid. If you are using that static grass, they will match your bases beautifully. Like I think they're a good like three and a half out of five bucks type of a of a thing. They're they're a really decent, cheap alternative. I would agree. I think they're a good entry level starting mat. Not only that, but one of the biggest advantages of that style mat is they're super easy to store because they're not that thick, yeah, they're and they're not that heavy, so they can go anywhere. And especially if you're a guy that's running tournaments. They're awesome to have a bunch of. Or how many do you have? Hey, that's me. Uh, yeah, I have 50 of those suckers. <laughs> so uh, 10 fit nicely into one of the big Rubbermaid totes, and I mean, I've got five five of those Rubbermaid things, so if somebody's running an event and says, I need 20 mats, I just give them two, two of the totes, and they're good to go, right? So uh, they're super handy. I mean, after you like unroll them, essentially, and like unfold them, like it gets rid of any crinkles. I think it's just a, a very versatile mat still. It's, again, a very introductory mat, though. So, I mean, like once your tastes have modified a little bit, I think you're going to go to something else. So let's move to something more fun. We'll still stay in the GW product range, uh, Realm of Battleboard. Mike, I know you have one. Yep, yeah, actually, uh, I have one. I did it up in, uh, in all winter and ice, uh, painted it up. It's it's beautiful once it's painted up. The only downside that I can say is that it's clearly marked in two foot by two foot sections, and it's like four hundred dollars. Yes. that's a downside. <laughs> and it's, it's 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 very expensive, but it, it's 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 not. The, oh, the other thing that's a little bit irritating is if you don't have it flocked and there's a hill, <laughs> your models are going to go for a little slide run. Oh yeah, so slippery time. Yeah. You, you, you've got to have something. You got to you got to flock these tables whether you want to or not because otherwise it's just not 
tactically sound for your models or anything. They're going to slide all over the place. They really are, unfortunately. The hills themselves are, are a drawback, in my opinion. Uh, it's harder to store with the hills. Um, they do sell the two flat mm -hmm. sections by themselves, which is cheaper if you buy three of those sections compared to the four. Which is totally the way to go. It is the way to go. I mean, yeah, you get more skulls, but I mean, that's... Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's Warhammer. It's here or there, whatever, You're right? going to be used to the skulls. You pour some Envirotex and you fill that gap if you're really that concerned about it. But uh, I uh, painting, I painted three of those damn tables for Mark Gruner's store, and now I'm sick of it. I don't even want to paint. <laughs> I don't want to paint mine now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, now that there's, like, so many, like, functional mats, like, we'll go back to, the I think, the frontline gaming mats. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to the third-party app. And now that there's, like, so much, like, detail on the mats themselves, like, you don't need that, I think, from a, a $400 table. Yeah, and I actually think that... As cool as this table looks, as far as a functional gaming mat, and I hate to be the really negative one on this point, unless you flock it, your models are going to move all over the place, or if you're buying the extra mat, the extra sections, um, you have to paint the thing to get it functional. It's super expensive. Like I honestly think it's one of the worst options because it's the hardest to store. I would agree. It's limited for use because if you don't get the flat sections, all of a sudden you're really limited as to what kind of scenery you can put on the board. Like even that basic green grass mat can very easily be a grown-over city or a field, or you put a river on there and it's a riverbed. Like it, it's very well. That's the thing. You buy the GW very multi-purpose. You can't put them on any of those sections that have a hill because they're huge. They're, they're the sections take up that have those hills take up a majority of that square. So you're basically not able to place big pieces of terrain on there. Which is a problem. So based on price and based on lack of functionality, what would you guys give a rating for this? I have a hard time giving it anything more than like a one or a two. It is just bang for your buck. It is, it's just a bad investment. It costs so many dollars and there's better products out there. Now, and I do have one caveat to add to this because I actually would agree I'd give it like a one. What if you got some of the Forge World tiles? The Forge World ones, I think if you combine a couple of the Forge World tiles with a couple of the flat expansion tiles that they sell on the GW site, that would be a pretty good um, pretty good way to go, because the money you're saving from not getting the shitty hills that you can't use, <laughs> you're using to get like really cool like fortifications and bunkers, or like the city fight tiles that they the have on Necron the Forge World. Yeah, the Necron really cool. Tomb World. The Necron Tomb World one is like very quite, like that's the one that makes me pause and think like, yeah. I would actually have a Necron Tomb World and play over that. That would be unbelievably cool. See, I I do have the one Forge World table of like the bunker inside the like the hill there. Do you really? I do, I, well, yeah, it's not. It's not painted, painted or painted. ever played on. Shocking. <laughs> but he owns it. I, I was gonna use it for actually like a, a display board for events, but oh, yeah, cool. um, I I still think like I would give this a, a maximum of two. Like the detail is nice on like the tiles, mm -hmm. but I think functionality and the everything's marked out already for you. I I don't like it. I think that there's so many like third parties now that have better like investment like. And, and value is going to be way better than buying a Realm of Battleboard. Okay, sure. so let's talk about some of those. So, Steve, let's go back to the Frontline Gaming Mats. Yeah, so the Frontline Gaming Mats, they make a ton of different designs. Uh, and I actually talked with uh, Reese a little bit about this. They have a huge number of, uh, like, they have an Alpine mat, they have a Desert mat, they have a Wasteland mat, they've got a bunch, they even have Star mats. Um, but out of all of them, the one you're going to want is the urban combat 6x4 like I have 
It is marked out for your 12-inch uh, deployment zones. As well as those pain-in-the-butt diagonals. They have the diagonals. Oh, they also yeah. have the, uh, what is it, the Vanguard. Vanguard is the uh, is the diagonals. The one where it's the 24-inch deployment zones. Hammer and Anvil, I think. Hammer and Anvil, that's exactly it. And they also have the exact center marked out for the Relic. So this is one that you want, especially in a game where you have pre-measuring allowed. It gets a little less fun in games like Drop Zone, where you can't, because we've used this map for Drop Zone, and... It kind of gives things away. It's got the same realm of battle thing, but I mean that being said, this is very clearly a 40k mat, and I would I highly recommend it. It's my favorite mat out there. It's made of that mouse pad material, so it's totally waterproof. I'd give it a five out of five. And I think one of the really cool things about this style of mat is you pick up the mat and you pick up a imperial sector, and you don't even have to worry about basing those you buildings. You shouldn't base them. Yeah, they fit right on the mat perfectly. It's got really good rubble, kind of detailed already in. So it not only is it easy to game on, but it also makes the rest of your scenery a lot easier to make. Yeah, it, and it does have those green little sections too. We were looking at. There's a few sections that have like grown over moss kind of thing, or I don't know what really what's. It's basically a green texture you can put a tr uh, tree stand down on, and it doesn't look out of place. They did a really good job with this one. And the guy that actually designed this, I when I was talking to him, he's a level designer for video games. Really? So uh, he's I can't remember his name, and I feel bad about this. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, he um, he's probably going to, if he listens to this, I'm sorry. We talked for a he's long time He's not going to listen to this. I'm just saying. But I'm going to send him a link. I don't know who it is. <laughs> he did a good job, and I really, really, uh, really like this mat. And I think the rest of the Frontline Gaming mats are really good quality. They're pricey. That's what I was going to ask. How, like, What is the cost and uh, shipping cost for these bad boys? So, I, like I said, I got mine in Vegas off the table I played on, so it was cheaper because I brought it back in my backpack. Is it because it was used? It was used. I literally... <laughs> this is the, the mat that I have was the same one that I spilled a ton of beer on while playing Beer Hammer. Placed second in that, that's right. Um, <laughs> so not first? I, I actually got out drank because the bar closed and I couldn't buy any more booze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody stocked up on Coronas ahead of time and I couldn't I couldn't win. But anyways, uh, they're they're going for 85 US and if you want to ship them up to Canada, you're going to pay a lot because they're heavy. They're well, very it's, durable. It's $30 shipping. Per yeah, month. so you got to be aware that you can probably... Well, how much is a GW grass mat going for these days? You can probably buy two. 50? Probably 50, 60 maybe. 50, 60? So you can almost buy two GW grass mats for the cost of this thing. Uh, it's, it's good. I would recommend it if you're a 40k player. If you're not, you might want to look at some other options. And Ward, I know you have a bunch of uh, a bunch of mats you just bought. I, I do. But but to talk about like still frontline for like one second, I think if you're buying like an individual mat for gaming at home, absolutely. I think I think it's worth the value for sure. Because I mean, it's going to be the same price as buying two of those flat tiles for the Realm of Battle board, and then oh this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. shocking. Right? I, I want to give the Realm of Battle Battle a zero right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm hard pressed to give it more than a one. But but, <laughs> but with all the different like textures that you can get on the frontline gaming tables, I I think that you can you have like so many options available to you I, I like these ones and I would get one for myself gaming at home for sure Mike how about you what do you think of the front oh, line uh, I think they're great uh, especially for this these models uh, anything that's got a lot of dice rolling it's got a nice surface. You're yeah. not going to be having problems like you have on some textured boards, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, no, it's it, they are they're beautiful mats. Uh, you you don't even notice that they're a mat until you actually get up close and start trying to pay attention to it. A lot of the graphics on it will trick you into thinking it's 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 almost 3D in some places, right? Okay, well why don't we talk about one of those mats that have the texture issues? Zuzzy. Yeah, yep, exactly. Zuzzy mats. Like I I don't have any of those mats personally. 
I know that there's some events down in Calgary that and some clubs that have them down there. I think so, yeah. Uh, I haven't played on one, so... I have. Tell me more about it. Well, I have as well. It's one of those things where it's this really rubbery texture with a lot of texture. <laughs> yeah, don't really? say. Wow, I'm for, wow. for lack of a better word. For, you know, totally. But the problem is that dice can often get talked. Yeah. And they bounce off of it. So I've played predominantly War Machine on it where it's not been too big of an issue because you're rolling at most five dice at a time. But if you're rolling a bucket of dice with 40k... Which I have played uh, a lot of down in Calgary again uh, on the Zuzzy mats, and they have way more texture than the Realm of Battleboards. Like, it is crazy how much more texture they have than the Realm of Battleboards. And when you roll dice on them, they're super rubbery and they bounce like crazy. Yeah, the dice explode off the surface yeah. and go God knows where. And the thing that you find, too, is not only do they, like, get cocked in certain ways. I've had dice, there's so much texture on these things, they stand on their corners. Which is, which is bizarre, but I've seen it happen more than a few times. Yep, I can attest to that. It happens all the time. So one of the things that I've done is I actually ordered one of those mats because they come in a 3x3. Three three. So for Malifaux players, where you're not rolling dice and having a little bit more texture is good because you're only moving around anywhere between 5 and 20 models, it works really well. And there's not a lot of game manufacturers or mat manufacturers that actually supply a 3x3 three three gaming surface. It's getting a little bit more common, but yeah, you're right. Not yeah, not for other systems, but like space, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and about we got in on a bulk order, and I think it was like forty bucks to get the three by three mat. So price point was great. It looks really cool, and with a game like Malifaux, you don't have to worry about some of the drawbacks. With uh, with the Zuzzy mats, though, are the ones that I've seen are they're just a solid color though? Is that the they come case? one color rubber, and then you have to paint it? Yeah, which is kind of weird to me too. Like, I mean, it's it's still gonna be that investment. I've seen people just like put like washes over top, but again, like I think for like the value of it, I'd rather just buy a mat that's already existing. Like, they're kind of like texture wise. Yeah, they're kind of stuck like halfway in between, right? Where they have they have a lot of the texture of like your Realm of Battle boards, your Forge World boards, mm-hmm. but and they roll up like some of the uh, frontline gaming boards, but. I don't know, they're kind of stuck in no man's land in between where they're getting some a lot of the disadvantages and some of the strengths and but they are a little bit cheaper than a lot of those other mats too. Would like they're s- kind of a, they're a lot closer to the GW grass mat price point. So Dan, are you saying they're like blade they have some of the advantages but none of the weaknesses? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know cuz the daywalker was pretty cool. I don't and I think we're trying to say that they're maybe not quite as awesome as the daywalker. Yeah, and painting rubber, that's that's actually tough. It, it, it'll destroy your brushes. That's why you just use cheap ones. Well, what we'll do <laughs> is I get it probably in a month is when it's going to arrive. That's the only other issue. The company is, takes a long time to ship. Oh, okay. really? Well, so, we'll maybe do like a recap then of uh, yeah. You know, once I get it, so. and I'll get a chance actually trying to paint one of these things, and we'll maybe review it a little bit more actively. We'll do a post mortem. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> I don't die. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Right. So let's move on That's to the last company that we'd like to talk about today. I think we have actually three more quickly. Three? Okay. There's, well, then, there's, there's many. There's, there's many there's brands. Many. Um, f- so I think the next system essentially that we want to talk about that's really gaining popularity is like X-wing and Attack Wing, and their space mats. Now, there's been a couple of different companies that have come out with space mats currently. Gale Force 9, I think, was the first one. Yeah, they were definitely one of the first. Uh, and they've released a couple mats, and then I know that they've kind of like had an issue with their shipping and, and situations with... Gale Force 9, a lot of their stuff is kind of like... They do a big production run, and when it's gone, God knows when you're going to see it again on the order form. Mm-hmm. That drives so, me crazy, actually. There's some buildings I wanted to get, and... Yes. It's like, oh no, they they don't make it right now. You gotta wait till they do the next run. When's and that? You have no idea. Oh, well, I don't know which one. Sometime there? later in I, the future. I probably
probably have them. You know, do you have the Bastone <laughs> Church? Oh yeah, probably. You do? Flames I think, of War. I, I think I have. I that's think a I Flames have, of War. It's a it? Flames of War. Okay, then I don't have it. I don't okay, know. That's, that's what I thought. <laughs> Good job, but, Ward. But anyway, they they've got they had I think released I plans for six different mats. I've only seen three, like, in the entire, like, Emerson area. They did the orange one, they had the pink one, they had the god-awful Death Star one that gives you migraines. I hate that one. Um, I think they came out with Wait a, a second, how does it give you migraines? I it, want it, is, it is an overly exaggerated Death Star texture with tons of really stark, like, almost black shadows on it. So it's insanely textured, and you just you can't see your markers, you can't see your tokens. Honestly, it is hard to look at. It throws me off, and like playing on really? it, yeah, like that was the one that I didn't buy. That's the other kind of impressive. The other ones, <laughs> the other ones are actually really nice, but I mean, like just trying to find them, that's going to be the big thing right now. Yeah, there's a couple of them that I think are up on their website for order right now. So if you want them, do not hesitate. Buy them before they get discontinued. They, they <laughs> but, are um, they are your standard three by three, so you won't have any problems with uh, sizing issues. Uh, I haven't had any problems with the ones. I have two of them. I have the first original or like orange nebula, and then I have the frozen planet one, which I yes. that's my favorite one out of them. Yeah, the so. frozen planet one's actually really nice. That's my favorite of theirs that I've used. Yeah. So I mean, texture wise, like they are like the the latex uh, vinyl or vinyl, something. Vinyl, yeah, vinyl. So I mean, they will scratch up over time if you're using it like on a regular basis. Uh, but I mean, honestly, uh, it's superficial. I haven't really like noticed a lot still playing with my mats that I've had for months now, right? So, yep. uh, and then I know Dan, you got onto a Kickstarter. Yes, there was a Kickstarter. I don't know how to pronounce it. It was capital D, capital S, apostrophe tone. So I don't know if it's DS tone, D stone, or some kind of weird like Destone. destiny. Destone. De destiny. Whatever it was. Destiny tone. tone. Destiny tone. But Just say um, it as fast as you can. I'm trying to think of a rapper's name right now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so we're. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving directly on, but uh, this this Kickstarter was actually done up by a guy who wanted to print up mats, and I guess he has an amateur like astral photographer, whatever you call it. Oh yeah, okay, like a, cool. So yeah, his his buddy had like a digital SLR and a camera, and so he took a lot of the pictures himself. That's where they all came from, and there's you know they're pictures of galaxies and so he all took them through a telescope. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I, That's I, really cool. I, I like this Kickstarter because it is actual like constellations and like uh, actual like galaxies and nebulas like. That I think that's awesome. Question for you, Dan: Is there a horse head nebula? I don't know if they had horse head. Pillars of creation. That's what eagle. I don't yeah. think they had eagle nebula. Ugh. No, so, there, were, there were there were many different ones. The one I got was uh, pelican slash North American nebula. You know you're a nerd when they don't have your favorite nebula. <laughs> Although my only real question is, can you play a game that takes place in a galaxy far, far away if you can see it from Earth? Uh, well, can you get can you get to it this <laughs> afternoon? We're really good for Star Trek <laughs> in that case. Oh yeah, it's right, it's exactly. Wing. Yeah, yeah. Right on. All right, I'm totally behind these. Yeah, guys. You, you can you can play on the Milky Way one or like Andromeda, whatever. There there's lots, and it, it is kind of cool for pe like total nerds like us that can actually tell which nebula it is by looking at it. So. <laughs> we did play a game with your Matt. Uh, yes, we did. Just the other day, and uh, it was the one that you won, so I don't want to talk about it. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so in the grand scheme of things, it's not as uh, I didn't find it, it. It held the models as well. Yeah, it seemed to be a little bit less grippy than the um, Gale Force Nine mat, which is probably not a hundred percent ideal. But we don't really know because we've only used it the once. We don't really know about its durability. But yeah, the models will stick to it a tiny bit less, so you might bump your models around a bit more. You might knock them over that sort sure. of thing. So, what's the difference in price? 
The this from the Kickstarter, I'm not sure if they're going to be available outside of it, but those mats I think were like thirty thirty two dollars or something like that. That's and was really that good. shipped to your house? Um, I think it was a couple of bucks because we put in a to the Kickstarter, we put in an order for like ten. <laughs> so I think after the shipping, I think I paid like thirty two dollars. Whereas the Gale Force Nine, I think, is more like forty or fifty. That's what retail is. Yeah, at a lot of the different like hobby shops around the town, forty dollars on the low end and fifty dollars. So you're looking at a little bit more. Potentially a little bit more of a, a grippier. We don't know about durability yet, but the Gale Force Nine still not a bad option by comparison. No, no, they're they're, they're they're virtually identical. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is like, do you want something actually? If you're if you're a little bit more geeky like Steve and you actually want like a galaxy, absolutely. I think Distone or DS Tone, however you pronounce <laughs> it, is going to be your better option. Even though it might be like a couple bucks less more depending on like, so what I they're selling for. I think this is where we get super nerdy. I'm pretty sure that the Delta Quadrant is actually where the Pillars of Creation reside. Oh, so my eight four seven two that I want to pick up. Wow! <laughs> well, they were from fluidic space, actually, technically. That's, that's true. They were from a different dimension. They saw Voyager in the Delta Quadrant, so I'll take what I can get. <laughs> oh, my, oh my All goodness. Right, so, okay. I heard three mats. What's the uh, the third option? The other this? option is the one that I actually ordered from, which is uh, Deep Cut Studios. Uh, they've got a Facebook page. That's how I found out about them. It popped up in my likes, which is actually really handy. Uh, so, Based on the name, I'm guessing they're 3D textured. They are not... Mm, what would you say? It is basically a three, like a computer rendering printed onto these vinyl mats, is what they are. So it's still just a flat mat, oh, really? but they okay. do appear to be computer, you know, computer artwork sort of a thing. Got a bit of forced perspective kind of thing going on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they have they have a hilly like snow map. I can't remember what it's called, but it really looks like it really looks like a video game texture. That's that was my first thought when I saw it. It had a little bit of distortion. Like so it looked like a video game. E- even their even their water, like you see, like the waves breaking, that sort of thing. So like their water mats looks a little bit like a StarCraft two kind of map. Kind yeah, of thing. Gotcha. I I you know what? And as soon as I saw them, I was like, yes, gonna I'm sold on it for sure. I'm gonna pick it up. And uh, you have the option of getting the four by six, so you can play Firestorm Armada. That is a good point too. Because yeah. that is a game that exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's deep, deep profound, cut, Dan. Deep, deep Cut Studios did have, uh, they had, I think, when at the time of like my purchase, is they had four different like space mats. They had a space battle. They had a nebula. They had a frozen planet as well. And then just like open space. Uh, again, both or all of those types of mats were available in a 3x3 format or a 4x6, which was like super handy. Cost-wise, again, very comparable to the other two systems, the Gale Force 9 and the, um, uh, what's the other one? DS DS Tone, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, Other things that Deep Cut Studios, though, is doing is they are doing, like, role-playing mats now. They do have bigger mats for, um, uh, Steve's excited about the role-playing mats here. You seem to have a dungeon. I'm looking at one that looks... Like, I, I feel like you could play a ton of Warhammer Quest in this and just get your 1990s on, like, nobody's business. I, I would love to play some Warhammer Quest. Like, I will order one for, with you and play some Warhammer <laughs> Quest and drink some beers with you. Not a problem. Totally. No, these um, mats look amazing. I only saw the ones you ordered. Yeah, so I ordered the uh, big water mat for Dystopian Wars for Onslaught, and then I ordered a bunch Which of, was this one that I'm, I'm that the radio one that people can't at. see. Yeah. And I don't really want to cut in here. The... Uh, the water mat is one of the very few that is actually made right now. I've been looking for Dystopian Wars mats for a good eight months. That's like the one good thing about Dreadfleet is that it comes with that little cloth mat. Yeah. Which is why, <laughs> but it's not quite big enough. It's, it's, I know, it's, it's so funny close. Dimensions, right? yeah. But there's so few companies that make them, and the few that do, you're normally paying about 150 bucks. whereas how much were those mats for 6x4 on average? Uh, they were like... 
I think comparable to the GW mat. So I think about like sixty bucks a mat. Yeah, they're thirty nine. Uh, they're thirty nine pounds. 39 pounds. 40, forty pounds. So again, yeah, with, with maybe the, seventy bucks. Yeah, depending on how ship, the conversion ship, rates. Shipping was was really good. Uh, the it's from overseas. Oh, now Tom. Goblins. Now Tom is like really excited. <laughs> Um, but like they got a swamp mat that looks amazing. We all just found this right Do now. they make that in a three by four or a three by three? I don't know. Who cares? Just get, get the big one and chop it. You get two. Just, just map it out. But, Twice as much Malifaux. But ship, shipping was like really fast, like two weeks. Considering it was from what Lithuania. Lithuania. Yeah, so shipping was super fast. The guy was super helpful over like uh, Facebook messaging and everything. Like, I would highly recommend this company. Like, I I ordered ten of the water mats. Uh, ten space mats and like yeah, it showed up super fast. So what the, we know, the, the only issue was the lady at the post office could not actually like lift, <laughs> lift the box with all the mats. So I actually had to go in the back of the post office and like take it out. But that, other than that, like it was golden. So for those who are listening at home, you might notice that Ward does spend more time buying gaming mats than painting models or playing. Currently, last week, yes, absolutely. No, really? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying right now. Okay, <laughs> just give that to me. So, but uh, sure. But uh, texture-wise, it was a little bit more tacky than the uh, Dan's mat, the Destone mat. Yeah. So I mean, it is a little bit handier if you're worried about like just bumping those models and and sliding them across the mats. Again, we haven't played them enough uh, to use. To see if they are going to get scratched up and such, but I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. So I think we should go around since we don't really have the option with these kind of things of of rating all of them. It's just going to take way too much time. Uh, why don't we all go with our favorites quickly and then we'll wrap this whole up? Sure. Start with Mike. Um, I really like the the uh, Deep Cut Studios star map right now. I'm just over over the world with this. It's a beautiful. It fits right on my table, and it's gorgeous. And you picked up the Nebula one. Yeah, I picked up the Nebula. Yeah. Which is actually really cool, too. It's one of these ones, right? <sighs> of the <laughs> ones we're talking about today, because crazy enough, there are more. There are plenty more companies. Oh, of the ones, Yeah, of the ones today, um, I really like the DS Tone one, uh, the yeah North America Pelican Nebula. I just really like the colors. It's gorgeous. It's real life. Yeah, and it's, and it's cheap. It appeals to my nerdness, and it's cheap, and it's good. So... I think the coolest mat that we've talked about, and Steve's going to probably agree with me on this one, is this 40K mat that uh, Frontline Gaming did. Yep. Because, I don't know, it looks really good, it's super durable, and it solves every annoying problem that you have playing 40K. Like, I love the fact that Deep Cut Studio does the water mats, and if I... It doesn't save 2 plus rerollable invulse, though. The mat cannot cure that. Don't worry about it. Fair. That's what swinging the big D is for. But, I, you know, having played on it, it is just so easy to play, um, especially now that there's pre-measuring. It doesn't really matter that it's fully marked out on the board already. Yeah, it's, it's less just, and less of an issue. It's been great, and models move around very nicely on it. They don't stick too much, and they don't stick not enough. Like, it's it's fantastic. I, I You're right. I agree with you. I'm a little biased because I own it, and it looks awesome. Uh, it's my favorite. But I'm really torn by the Distone or whatever the hell it is because <laughs> I don't even play space games. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You will now. I've got I've got some captain boards for Attack Wing or whatever they're called. Yes, you have many fleet resources from the so events that you didn't resources. attend. Yeah, I can I can make like a ten point list without any ships. When, uh, <laughs> when I go to all the events, I was just like, yeah, give me an extra one, and I'll give that to Steve. So I've got a lot of stuff, and I don't have any ships yet because I've been waiting for the the stuff that just came out that I still haven't picked up. Don't judge me. I do. Uh, I know. I know. But yeah, I, I'm a little torn because I would like one of those Nebula mats, but my god, I love my Frontline Gaming mat. 
I'm gonna go with Deep Cut Studios because I mean, like, look, look at all the new masks that they're coming out with. Swamp masks. Those people cool. in podcast yes, land. Look, 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 look at what he's pointing uh, at. Honestly, go to the show notes. Go, go <laughs> to the go to the Facebook page of Deep Cut Studios because, like, within the last like month that I've ordered my mats from, like, they've released so many like RPG mats. They that's a new space. They mat. have an asteroid mat of the moon or something. That is so cool. It, like or uh, something. Uh, or something. <laughs> I don't but, know like, what that's from, but that looks amazing. But look honestly, at that. the quality of the mat, like once you that like, looks amazing. Like once, radio. <laughs> Once, once you unroll the mat, like, how excited were you for the, like, water mats? Because I opened oh, them huge. here at the gaming night. Like, itty-bitty chub. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, and you're like, you're like, do you need all of those mats? And I I, like, I'm still like that. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I think I think for the service that I got, the, the speed of sir, the speed that they actually, like, arrived, like, I... From I Latvia, no less. Latvia, Lithuania. I, Lithuania. It's an L. I will, enough. I will, Don't say that. <laughs> I hope it doesn't I, work that way. Hopefully they aren't listening to us over there. I'm I'm gonna send this to them, so don't No worry. no <laughs> I apologize. I'm I'm going to order more mats absolutely and I know that you're gonna get in on it. Oh hundred percent. They have a badland map where it's like deserty, rocky kind of a thing, and it's tempting me too. They've got some nice stuff. Honestly, so nope. like Put in in our in our Facebook page, put your favorite like deep cut studio mat, because there's so many right now, it is amazing. I love it. Deep cut studios, go. Okay, Mike, follow that. He, already, he started first. You started? I so say it again because you're not memorable. Okay. One more time. <laughs> Deep Cut Studios. I love my W You weren't as, you weren't right. as emphatic as and, words, so I And forgot. just to plug Secret Weapon Miniatures, I did order Tablescapes. It's just it's a Kickstarter thing. They take a long time. I don't have it yet. I can't review it. Is that the texture one? It is basically the one-foot Realm of Battle-style tiles that are all modular, but they're actually flat, so you can like balance models on them. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when you yes. get it. Let's, that should be a couple months, but do, I'm super stoked to get can those. Can we do a review when you get yours? Absolutely. Then I have one coming in two oh, games yeah. and gears. We've got way more mats coming. Okay. Oh, man. All right, Look so let's wrap this up. Mats part two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, if you guys have any mats that you like to play with, let us know on Facebook. Sounds good. All right, let's move on. Okay, well, we're probably going to go a little bit over this week, but let's move into game of the week. We're going to have a little bit of a different format for this one because we're going to talk about a game that's gaining popularity, but... I know only two people around this table actually play it right now. And I would be Ma the other one. I, I play it too. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and that's Malifaux. <laughs> so just to give you a basic rundown, Malifaux is a miniature game uh, that's more of a skirmish scale where what you're basically doing is playing with anywhere between 5 and 20 models, 20 being a very extreme rare case that only people like myself do. Yeah, because you're, you're not a nice person, though. And you should mention that it is kind of like of a mix between steampunk and horror. It has a very unique flavor to it. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that's really got going for it is, is the flavor. And like I said, it's, it's very unique. Yeah, and one of the things, it's done by a company called Weird. And this company started in 2005 as a one-off miniature company that just did neat, strange models for painters to do. Just kind of random hobby projects. Like Dead Hookers. Yeah, it really still shows through in their aesthetic because they have odd factions, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very diverse background. And it's as much as I love the game, the background is a little bit loosely tied together where it's just, this stuff is here. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. But the game actually came out, I think it was either 2008 or 2009, and they're on to their second edition launched in September of last year. Yep, September. Second edition rule set? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. 
And it took a game that was really cool and overcomplicated and made it really cool and not overcomplicated. So I think it's not only is it easier to play now as a guy has been doing it for a while, but it's a lot easier for people to get into because it used to be where the stack cards, about the same size as a playing card, which we'll get into later. Uh, yeah, no had, dice. No, Spoiler alert, no dice. It's amazing. For a guy like me, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a card about the same size as a playing card would have, I don't know, 50 to 100 words of text on some of them? Oh, at least, at least. And it was uh, folded in half to get to that size in the first place, and all four sides were covered with the text. With rules yes. for one model. Really? Yeah, that's, that, that I, was I first did, edition. That I was first play. edition? Yeah, that oh, was first edition. Okay. You, you, the game you ran me through was not first edition. No, and no, I probably no, would have been like, I never wish to play this if it was like that for every So model. you saw the cards? Yes. Half the font? Yeah. And double or triple the amount of font on the card. Oh my sweet Jesus. <laughs> you use the word font a lot right there. Font? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Right. Observational. Okay. Pro tip, font. All right, so from the standpoint of people that haven't played any Malifaux, namely Steve, Ward, and Dan, do you guys have any questions about the game from the outside looking in? Can well, you, can you, I'm jumping in first. Okay, don't fight me. What <laughs> factions are there? Can you list the factions for people? Absolutely. So the factions would be resurrectionists, who are kind of your necromancers and zombies, and then there are arcanists, who are on the run from the guild, who is kind of the lawmen, and they are your mages, uh, conjurers, that kind of thing. Beastmasters. Beastmasters, absolutely. Which leads us then into the guild, who are the, the overarching... Law. Yeah, they're the law. <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> so do I get to play Judge Dredd? Funny story about that. A buddy of ours Don't actually... Don't say yes. Don't say yes. <laughs> a buddy of ours actually picked up some Judge Dredd miniatures to use as guild models oh, for no. this game. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. Is Who's that Jay? No, it's Luke. It's someone other than oh, Jay. Luke. Wow. Yeah, Luke. Okay. Jay, if Jay Griffiths listens to this, we know you love Judge Strath. <laughs> and he also <laughs> plays Malifaux. I've seen it on his blog. Oh, good oh, nice. yeah. okay. He plays so, Rezzers. Uh, so other than that... Listen to that, Jay. Uh, there's Ten Thunders, which Ten Mike Thunders, plays. Yeah, Tell us a bit about them. Uh, Ten Thunders is basically... Well, they're broken up into a couple factions, but it's a lot of old Orient... Uh, attached to it. There's the Chinese factions, there's Japanese factions. They're not anything separate. They're all kind of mingled together to make one I guess Asian faction in total. Uh, now you showed me some of those miniatures. Yeah. And I, I actually wasn't super excited on the, these games prior to that but the archers. Oh my god. God. Oh, they're beautiful. They're all Zen archers. They all got the hat. The they poses. All got the long bows, and they're very, very dynamic poses. And it's yeah. the argument that GW is the best uh, miniatures company pales a little bit when you see miniatures like yeah, that. Yeah, they're doing some really advanced plastics with these guys. Yeah. very dynamic. Lots of you know, lots of character to them as well. I mean, they wouldn't work necessarily as like you know, rank-and-file troopers where you have 30 of them in a squad. No, but that's, but that's not what game. the game is. From an outsider's perspective, that's the beauty of this game. You're not ranking up Skaven clan rats. So no, they don't, yeah. you're, you have these one-off painting miniatures because you only have, at most, what? You said a huge game is 20? Yeah. Well, which, in, your, in your collection... Which, tell no, us about no, your faction. It's only Tom. Yeah. Speaking of which. Sure. My, I play Gremlins because uh, I actually got into this game before I even knew that anyone else played it because I was kind of rolling around online... Rolling, rolling around, rolling like, around. I, don't, I don't know. Whoa. I don't use real words. Real rolling around. Okay, but not not, not only are they just gremlins, they are hill, hillbilly. drunken hillbilly gremlins. They've got banjos, Swamp. they've got moonshine. <laughs> they actually have a new master coming out called the Brewmaster, who's got a whiskey golem. 
Where he's we just, talked about this. We, 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 we did. Yeah, you yeah. people know about the whiskey. He's getting very excited. We oh talk. man, I'm getting flustered because that model comes out eight, this month. I'm so seeing the volume guys... levels just going through the roof on my computer screen right now. So, <laughs> so I'm a little concerned. So you guys have covered four factions, I think. You five. 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 There are guild. outcasts. Too. Outcasts. Basically, if they did fit in with anybody else, they form their own groups. They're kind of like the the lone gangs. They're the outcasts and mercenaries yes. as yes, well. And mercenaries. <laughs> the outsiders. The outsiders. With yes. Pony boy. And sure, <laughs> stay gold, Lord, stay gold. <laughs> so that's how many factions we're at there's so far. One, uh, there's six. There's one more, which is the Neverborn. And sorry, to understand the Neverborn, the basic idea with Malifaux is that a rift opened up on Earth, and they went through it, found a bunch of really cool magical items called soul stones, which they brought back and helped fuel their wizards' powers. And how did I not know that that happened? <laughs> like, because where was I? I? You missed it, Dan. You, you, were you weren't even alive yet. This happened at least a hundred years ago. Okay, I, I don't feel so bad. So is this is this set in any sort of? I mean, some of us that. Uh... Sorry, let me finish about the Neverborn. Okay, okay, okay right. go ahead. So the Neverborn are the only group that is, a, other than the Gremlins, potentially. There's some weird backstory issues there, but the Neverborn are the creatures from Malifaux. So they're the the monsters that go bump in the night. They're the natives. I see. Okay. They're the natives of Malifaux. Yes. yes. <laughs> so okay. is Malifaux a planet or a thing or a They universe? don't really know. It's a place because they go... They it's haven't the explored the whole city. It's the warp. Or the whole planet. The game takes place surrounding a city and the outlying regions. Oh, really? It's okay. It's the city of Malifaux. So it's not... Because what I was imagining is some sort of like dystopian wars type fluff where you're talking about like an alternate history, but this is like turn of the century... Factions find this rift and go into it and find Malifaux. And yes. they're fighting in Malifaux. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. So the Neverborn were there, and the Gremlins, they found there, but they actually, there's been a couple times the rift opened and closed, so without getting too in, too much into the backstory, there's argument that the Gremlins might have... 1927. So they're another invasive species not native to Malifaux. Potentially. In we don't know. Columbus Science sailed, reference. Columbus <laughs> sailed into the rift, and then, uh, I don't know what happened. Is there a Columbus? Can I play Columbus? Um... Uh, not quite. Almost. Okay, don't. This is ridiculous. Let's, let's continue on. <laughs> okay. So let's that's talk about the, the game's mechanics, because I know they're very different. I don't know the game well, but you do. <laughs> so the idea in the game is that you are going to be fl having duels. And in the duel, the attacker flips a card and the defender flips a card. And you're each going to be adding your characteristics. So let's, okay, let's say rewind it's a, basic a little bit. Let's rewind a little bit. You don't have dice. Instead, you have what to decide your Play cards. Card. And what are those cards? What are they? Like, are they, are they specific the, you can to the game? use specifically a normal playing deck that you get with hearts, clubs, spades. You can use that, and you just have to. A club is uh, a say masks, and say a heart is a ram, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's so they basically the just change a normal playing card deck into yeah, this sort of Malifaux-y version. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so a, you've got this deck, and you flip cards off the top, and you take that the number value of that card add it to your stat value, and compare it to your opponents. So in a basic um, kind of attack duel, I'm going to take my attack value for the weapon, be it a shooting weapon or a melee weapon, flip the card, add the numbers together, and if I'm playing against Mike, he's going to take a, his model's stat, let's say defense, flip his card, and if I am equal to or greater than his total, I he's win the hit. duel. Now the interesting thing about it is that the degree by which you succeed is going to influence how you do when you're damaging afterwards. Ooh. So if it's uh, equal. The ex equal, 
it's going to be... It's a double negative. It's a double negative flip. And the way that works is that if it's a negative flip, you flip more cards equal to the number of the negatives, and you choose the lowest. So if I am equal to... That's for damage. That's like basically the number of wounds you're going to do to someone. Yeah, exactly. So it, could be, it could be other things, too. Though. Yeah, but so the idea being if it, you flip uh, a negative flip, it's not good. You're going to pick the lowest. You're probably not going to do a ton of damage. Yeah, so exactly. you can flip a king... But if you also flip a one, it's still going to be terrible. And it's really bad. Well, it's not really. It's it's worse. It's something. a lot worse. What is yeah. a one? An ace. An ace. All right, I'm just making. Aces low. I, I didn't know. Aces like, are low. No, they don't go are, high. Aces are low. Uh, Thirteen would be the equivalent of a king, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, as I was saying, um, that would modify the subsequent roll for, or flip for the damage. Mm-hmm. So if it's even, it's minus two. If it's between one and five, it's a minus one. If it's between a six and a ten, it's a straight flip for the damage. And then if it's between an eleven and a fourteen with a red joker, uh, you're going to get the severe damage. So the idea being, basically, for those of us that or the positive play flip, sorry. 40k in fantasy and those very, uh, very different games, your two hit affects how much damage you're going to do. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Or how like it's less how much you're going to do and how likely you are to do more damage. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned something that I, uh, in our practice game that we played, that I found really interesting. Let's talk about the Jokers. Oh my god, the Jokers. So the Red Joker is amazing. If there's you two fl- Jokers. Yes, there's, there's the Red a good and the one? Black. Exactly, yeah. So the Red Joker, <laughs> uh, which in my game against Mike that we're going to get into, which I did not see at all, it basically it counts as a 14. You get to declare what suit there is. Because in this game, the actual suits matter as well. Sometimes you can trigger different abilities depending on what suit you flip. Yeah, like your which, characters will actually have, like, on, if you draw a ram, they do this kind of thing, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Red Joker, you can More choose. Likes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Red Joker, you can choose your suit. It counts. It, uh, 14. If you are on a negative flip, if you flip the red joker, you always get to keep it. Counts as a 14 to add to totals. If you flip it on your damage flip, you cause severe damage plus weak damage, so it's even more than it's usual. crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's basically the red joker is a I win. Always pull the red joker, pro tip. Yeah, if you, yeah. Can, if you can just do that, if you can do that every card flip, you'd probably win the game a lot. On the other hand, if you flip the black joker, which automatically fails, cannot be cheated... Um, does zero damage. You mentioned my favorite mechanic, cheated. I really want to talk about that. Let's save cheating okay. until okay, after good. we talk about the game. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's just bad. It's all bad. You do zero damage, and you don't get it's nothing terrible. done. You blew your load. It's it counts done. as a zero. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, that, yeah. that doesn't matter where you draw the black joke. It's not just necessarily the to hit on the first go around. I call it the to hit. I don't actually know what it is. Uh, but the first draw, yeah, sure. damage, Dual whatever, it's mm-hmm. always bad. No matter where you draw it, it's bad, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, any other questions? Um, how did you get into it? Well, I was, I was. We <laughs> already made fun of him for that when he was rolling around on the internet. Oh, yeah, oh I never. That's right. That's yeah, right. Because I found these models that were these hillbilly gremlins, and as a longtime greenskin player and a longtime lover of hillbillies. <laughs> Did you just say that? Oh my god. Tom, I have a a very important question for you, Tom. This this needs to be answered right now. Do you own a banjo? Yes. Yes. I also own a washboard. (laughs) Actually? Yeah, for real. And and when you were playing the game beside me and Dan playing X-Wing, you did have 
the Doobie uh, Banjos. Pl- uh, a playlist playing for... Uh, of redneck yeah. music. Yeah. I actually yeah. enjoyed it. Music. I'm just going to say it was nice. I actually enjoy a good banjo once in a while, so I'll defend you a little bit. Uh, how about you, Mike? How did you get into it? Oh, uh, it was just a... Wow, look at that. That's a guy with a gun hopping over a coffin that's on fire. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I gotta get that, eh? You were smitten by, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme effect? Like, some dude just doing something ridiculous? There's a guy in a long coat. He had guns. He's on fire. And he was he had a coffin with him. I was like, wow, that's a that's a cool model. I want to paint that. And then everything else just kind of kept going on with that. Okay, what what's this game about now? That's actually kind of amazing. Yeah. You being a long term GW painter, where they have yeah good miniatures to be smitten by another company that isn't a a boat or a plane or something like that. And yeah. one of the things that this company does really well is appeal to a hobbyist. Just because we've talked about the fact that you only necessarily have to paint up five models, and they are beautiful sculpts. Even the old metal ones, while a little bit weird, were still... Like the company? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We're still great-looking models with a really interesting and unique aesthetic that would appeal to a lot of people. So I can see a lot of hobbyists getting into this game. I think my only issue, like, I've seen, like, a lot of the the boxes for it, and they have the artwork on the cover. On the back, they have the 3D rendering of the models. Yes. I don't think I'm a big fan of that. Like, I, I'd rather see, like, an actual, like, model, like, painted up just for... But to be fair, I think they went straight from 3D models, straight to printing, straight to our pocket. They didn't have yeah. any downtime. That's got to save about painted. six months. Pro- so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see that. But I think, like, if they, like, redid any, like, sort of box art or whatever, I, for me, it's just, like, I, I can't see the actual models. I can't blame it if it's a paint job if I don't like the model itself. But I, I'm just not, like, jumping into the models based on the 3D rendering right now. Sure. That's and, just me. and their website is a flaming bag of dicks. Assuming it's as bad as it used to be, it's like their website was like a newspaper. I'm trying not to laugh. That's it was true. Like a I news- remember that. Their web their website yeah. was like a newspaper, and you were like flipping through sections and pages trying to like find like you just try to find a picture of a model. And they tried to keep it old timey, and yes, it, was it was maybe a bit too old timey. It was very like is that, in theme. Is that how Tom found it while he was rolling around? He was rolling around in the newspaper, <laughs> yeah, in a puddle of his own urine. No, but what I wanted to say filth. is he's not even here to defend. So it. I walk away for a second <laughs> to grab a beer. <laughs> and out it comes. So, Dan, I know you're a, uh, a hugely... Model appearance and the, the painting and hobby aspect is huge for you. What do you think of these things? Because actually, I really I really think that you, of all people, would have an interesting opinion on this. At least the most critical. For, sh- for sure the most critical. That's an interesting Mine's way of putting things. But, Not compared uh, to this really guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I, I kind of hate most things, but to know this... <laughs> As model wise, model wise, okay. okay. model wise, I'm very, I'm very picky. But uh, yeah, they're like Tom was saying, they do because they have so much character and so much variety and everything. They do appeal to a lot of different hobbyists as well. Like they have, they have the big demon, you know, guys that live under the bed. They have dead hookers because some of us are really into that. I don't know who, but I'm sure there's someone. But um, <laughs> but no, like they, they do have such a wide variety of miniatures, like in a lo- lot of different styles, and a lot of them are really well paint or well sculpted, I should say. I'm trying to see. They're writing oh, notes. No, nope. they're no, writing notes about me. That's he? not that's not for the oh, that's not for okay. the radio. That, that cannot be said out loud. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff they My- do. <laughs> There's a lot of the stuff that I do not die. like. Mike is going to explode. <laughs> Last time I've seen a guy get this red is when he drank that, like, more than he could handle. <laughs> okay, anyways. anyways. Okay, but we're off the rails. So are you in favor, or are you, you thinking you could paint some of these things? 
like War Machine. I don't know if there's a faction where I would like enough of them to paint them, but there are certainly odds and ends. Like, I actually picked up one model from the really? range a while ago. It was, I think he was like a convict gunslinger. Yeah, that guy's really But Because uh, it was more like I picked him up for a conversion than anything, but there are nice sculpts. Some oh, of the old metal ones, some of the new plastic ones. There he is right there. There's a lot to choose from, and yeah, there's there's some nice models for sure. Oh, Ward, the old card's probably in there. You can take a look at He's it. He's kind of fat. He is fat. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving on. You mentioned something that I... Uh, the game mechanics for this this game... The models are good, and that's that's all fine and dandy, but the game mechanics are so vastly different. I really want to talk about one more mechanic that I find incredibly interesting. You mentioned it very briefly, cheating. So the way the game works is that not only are you flipping cards, but you're also given a hand of cards that is, you get six, that's going to be your hand. And if you don't have a negative flip attached to whatever duel you're performing, you can replace whatever card is that you flip with one of the cards from your hand. So it's basically like, again, I keep coming back to the GW games because I'm sure most of our audience has, is at least familiar with that, but imagine if you had a handful of dice that you could replace some of your rolls with. Yep, that, this yeah, one's going to be a six. Mm -hmm, exactly. So you're like, I rolled nothing but ones. I have a six in my hand. I'm going to replace that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think it's really cool and by far my favorite part of the intro game you ran me through. Yeah, and it also does really allow you to pick your battle. So if there's something you need to happen, find a way to not have a negative Or not and, happen. Or not happen, <laughs> absolutely, and you can cheat the cards in. Yeah, so that's, that's a really cool thing. But also, the fact that you have a hand of your outcomes actually affects your game. So how can you manage and, and mitigate things with your, your hand? Well, I would actually like to hold off on that one, because that okay. is going to be the topic of Coach's Corner this week. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to talk on before we get into the game is going to be the actual objectives. Oh yeah, this is what makes how it so much works. different. And it confused the crap out of me the first time I heard you talking. About I think it. I just heard screaming when you guys decided these. Yeah, things. I don't really know if there's actually any strategy to this. You guys just yelled a lot and played banjo music, <laughs> which is why I love this Tom game. cheats a lot. Okay, he that's cheats. actually that's actually a pretty good selling point for most people. But can continue on about the objectives. So. The game is broken down. You've got strategies and schemes. The strategy is the overarching, think of it for you 40k players, like a primary objective that both players are trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And this ranges anywhere from killing models to trying to take up table quarters to having models within the center of the board, that kind of thing, kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. table control. And honestly, most of the time, it's not killing models. It's only one out of five yeah. for the primary objectives. Very similar to 40k, strategies. where like one out of six is kill points. Yep. Uh, where it vastly differs is in the schemes. The schemes can range anywhere from having one of your own models killed can get you points. You can get points for dropping what's called scheme markers, which are a one-action interaction just to place them on the board, and these can help get you victory points later on. Uh, there are objectives to get a model within melee range of your opponent's master and deliver a message. And that way you That's get to, interesting. Yeah. That is definitely not a 40k thing, because you'll just die. My message would be, Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ward. So, do the different factions have different uh, abilities when it comes to those objectives, or are they all sort of rolled up like your 40k No, no, they're, they're, each one has its own play style, though. Uh, guild can be, is very straightforward. It's get in your face, and they can hurt you. They've got a really ra good ranged... Uh, gang, they've got a really good anti-rezzer gang. They're, they're, I feel they're very offensive. 
I feel they're very offensive. Too. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so as a faction, are all your casters the same, or is it kind of like War Machine, where each caster has a specific? It's not your, it's not your caster. It's your well, master. They're, they're oh, master. your master, master cast, master, master blaster, master blaster. <laughs> each each master has its own theme and its own ability, so they're does, each different. Does any of them have the face of a child? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, the dreamer. The dreamer, yeah. I, no, oh, but you completely so missed my Thunderdome line. <laughs> so just... Two men enter, one man leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's for Jay as well, I'm sure. Because uh, we know so, he's so, the only one listening. So is it, Likely the only one listening. Is it, so it's very unique. So it's spe- specifically which master you choose has a unique play style, yeah. like a caster for War Machine. And the interesting thing about it is that you actually choose your gang after you figure out what your strategy and schemes are. And which faction you're playing against. Well, the faction's first. Okay, okay. wait, wait. Just as, so you, you pick your army list after you roll for the but, scenario. No, but yes. you have to pick your faction. So you're going to go, I'm Guild. And he'll go, I'm Rezzers. But you literally have no requirements for having a list beforehand. No. None. Well, you can't. Whoa. Some formats will impose them, but the game as it stands has none. So it takes the War Machine sideboard thing to a completely different level. Yeah, but the way you look at it is that this is a game where if I, as I, I do currently own every model for Gremlins, and I think... Without, How many models is that? Without duplicates, so ignoring the fact that I've got more than a couple just basic bayous, I think it's only about 20 variants of models. Really? So that you and can then, actually do it? It's not like like where that's less than half a unit for right. fantasy. Well, the, the one caveat I would put onto this is that as the new, uh, the new edition's moving on, we are finding more models. So I would say at the end of it, about 50 models is probably the majority of a faction. Gotcha. Okay, my other question then is, in a casual play setting, it's it's okay to do that. But in a tournament setting, would you still want to require like lists pre-made beforehand? Or no. maybe lock in a faction? You, you have to you lock, have in, to lock, have to lock in, in the faction. So in a tournament, you'd be playing guild the entire way through. Absolutely, yeah, okay. cool. but you have no requirements on what you're taking. No, there are a couple oh, formats that will say really, that is amazing. That's an interesting mechanic. Now, a few tournaments have done things like you can use up to three masters, not the full six or seven that there are for most factions. That still seems insane. Uh, <laughs> and some, or some tournaments, let's say it's a 35 soulstone event, might say you get to use a total of 70 soulstones worth of models that you can then choose from to be a little bit more okay. limited. Okay. I, I would like to mention though that the reason they're doing that is it's like there's some models like if I'm playing guild and I have Lady Justice she is just incredibly nasty against anybody that's Rezzer or has corpse tokens so you need somebody in the Rezzer group that can deal with her and that's why you're allowed to switch out because if I pick guild you think and I'm Rezzer's you're going oh my god he's bringing Lady J I have to have a way of dealing with it that's when you switch out your list. So it's very much, it mitigates that rock, paper, scissors yes. thing that most board, ga- uh, board games have, or war games, board games, <laughs> sorry. And in a game where cheating is actually a legitimate mechanic, it kind of <laughs> makes sense to be able to change your army list. Yeah, yeah that was just cheating right there. And the other thing <laughs> that makes this really interesting is that when you're playing Malifaux, <laughs> Never thought of it that you're way. not really playing against your opponent, you're trying to accomplish your objectives, which sometimes have nothing to do with your opponent's models. So you're actually picking your gang based on accomplishing the schemes and strategy that you have more than who you're playing against. So you're really selling me on this game, because actually I didn't realize half of this stuff. Tell me about the game you guys played. All right, well... Tom cheated. I play- <laughs> <laughs> but that's I, okay. I did. I played Gremlins. <laughs> I played Gremlins, Mike. You played your guild. I played uh, Sonya Grit. 
And it was the first time I just painted her. I had to give her a spin. Uh, I still like you her. You have to give her a spin. You yeah. do. <laughs> now, for the, <laughs> for the few of you that actually play Malifaux, we ended up doing uh, Turf War was our strategy. Yes. And we ended up choosing the same schemes. Yes, it was Line in the Sand and, and Plant Explosives. Explosives. Now, for those of you that don't know, you can choose two schemes. Yes, yes. apparently that's a thing. Two. Yes. Okay. You, you actually, every game gets a pool of five schemes where you can choose two from. Cool. So, the funny thing is that Line in the Sand is all about placing markers along the center line. Yep. And Plant Explosives is all about having enemy models near your so scheme, scheme markers. markers. So, oh, I see how that works. So you've got two <laughs> gangs, both heading for the center line, throwing down ski markers. Trying to explode. Trying to avoid each other's ski markers. It yeah. was insane. So what happened? Well, do we basically... Do you want to go right to the punchline and who won? Or do you guys um, want to take that well, a little bit? Tom cheated. Okay. Yes. Uh, let's talk. Mike, what was your favorite moment from the game? Uh, when I realized that the only way I could get the witch I had just summoned by killing your Skeeter was by jumping and almost killing myself to get off the tower. That's funny. <laughs> My favorite part of the game was putting the Skeeter at the very top of the tower so that if you did summon the Witchling Stalker, he would spend the rest of the game walking down or fall off and kill himself. <laughs> All right. Um, what it basically came down to is I summoned a bunch of gremlins and was able to place more scheme markers down and also was able to do the, get, explosion. do the explosions. I got the full three out of the plant explosives, and Mike, I don't even know if got one. No, I, did, I didn't get that. I just got the, the line in the sand and uh, some of the turf. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a very romantic game that you guys had. You did a lot of explosions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, we need to move on from that right away. <laughs> sure. So I think it ended up being a, a 10-6 win for me. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you got your full 10, and I was off by at least four. Yeah, but it was it was still fun, and it was pretty close till the very end. Um, so let's talk about the tax from that, which brings us to our next segment. Coach's Corner! That for those of you at home, Ward is also, like, flexing his muscles right now and trying to puffing out his chest a bit. Why is it, why is it at the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what I want to talk about is actually the management of the Fate deck, because this came in very huge in this game. And, Mike, do you want to start off with the number one trick when it comes to managing your Fate deck? Sorry, just a second. Fate yep. deck is what you call the deck of cards? It's yes, deck, absolutely. Yes. Okay, okay deck cool. Of fate. I wasn't sure if it was like a separate thing. Because the, the deck determines your fate. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so, basically, yeah, what, are, what are the tricks you can do is if you get the black joker in your hand, you don't use it, but you keep it in your hand, and this stops it from being used against you to fail in something. You're one less card in your hand, but it's never going to be drawn for anything. It so basically cannot fuck you. You cannot screw yeah, you. And Mike had it in his hand the whole game. Yeah, I, I didn't, and I flipped it three or four times. And the funny thing is, is I just flipped it around so he could see it the whole time I was holding my hand. Because <laughs> he's a dick. <laughs> totally salted the wound. That's priceless. Yeah. Uh, one of the things when you're looking at your fate deck, and this is what makes it so different from dice games, is that as you're playing, you're going to see the cards coming out. And if you're flipping nothing but face cards for the first half of the turn, you know you got shit at the bottom of that deck. So you, at that point, start trying to do actions that don't involve flipping and trying to accomplish that way. You maybe avoid duels because you know you're going to fail. Yeah, it's basically like you've rolled all your sixes, you're guaranteed one. Yeah, yeah, whereas when you're rolling a d6, there is no guarantee as to where that is going to go 
Unless I'm playing against Steve. Guaranteed once. And I'll I'll call trip sixes and roll trip sixes. Like yeah. I just did multiple times. It was insane. But the the neat thing is that it it's not this entirely independent event. You know exactly what has happened and you know the likelihood of what's gonna happen next. Or the general likelihoods. If you know yeah, the exact yeah. likelihoods, you're probably a savant. You're or, or you're gonna, you're the kind of person who gets kicked out of casinos. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you're gonna count in the But cards. you have a very good idea of, oh my god, I've been killing him. Yeah. It's probably not gonna happen for much longer. Absolutely. Yeah. So that the one thing about uh, from a beginner's perspective, that uh, what happens when you run out of your deck? You shuffle it up and do it again. I've done it several times with Gremlins. Exactly. So when you run out of your deck, you know as you get to the end what's gonna happen. But for that next turn, it might be a completely new. You get no, a you, new you reshuffle and your every turn, though. <laughs> yes. At <laughs> the beginning turn. of every turn, you reshuffle. Apparently, oh. we're going to play Blackjack tonight at the casino. <laughs> and a really neat thing about um, deck management is that the beginning of your turn is when you're reshuffling. You don't actually you don't discard cards from your hand until after you've reshuffled. So if you've got bad cards in your hand, um, or even mediocre ones, you can get rid of them, and it keeps them out of play for that turn. So I mean that's that's where the advantage of keeping the black joker, joker yeah, in your you know hand what? is on right? turn five is it or turn four or turn because it normally only you, go you you discard your black joker because it's not going to get put back into your deck to affect you that turn and then you get the extra card then in you your might hand, go right? to turn five it might or happen turn six then, yeah. or turn okay. six it might happen there but that's the time you can get rid of your black joker and going back to your that's six when turn. you play risky yeah <laughs> <laughs> so number one rule is keep the black joker in your hand and pay attention. But I'll be honest too. There are other times where if somebody's very offensive, they don't want to keep the black joker in their hand because they want all the cards there to get their all their advantages for the offensive. Oh, so you can play aggressive you rather can play than aggressive. aggressive. And there's a chance you're praying that you're not going to get your black joker in. There. So which factions really uh, really appeal or or play to that more aggressive style? Uh, gremlins for sure, because I've got an ability on my basic gremlins called the Bayou Two card, so they can actually cheat off the top of the fate deck. So when I get 10 plus gremlins out so there. So you don't have to cheat out of your hand. No, you can I can choose the, the next one. card off the deck and so cheat. So you can be like, I have a crappy hand. Let's let's do this and go crazy. So I do it all the time. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's sometimes a way to kind of pull some of these bad cards out of the deck too, right? Like let's say you've lost already. You know what? You'll two card it. Best case scenario, you win. Worst case scenario, you get a card of the you deck. Pull out, you pull the black joker ah. or something out of there, right? I see. That's kind of cool. Is there, a, is there a faction that really doesn't lend itself to to aggressive playstyle like that that's really conservative? I think any of the factions, or it's more specifically Masters, where you have a smaller gang size. Yeah, if you have a small. Where all of a sudden every action is that much more meaningful. So a lot of guild will have smaller gang sizes. Ten Thunders are often a little bit smaller. Um, the Neverborn are often smaller. Small, yeah. Uh, gangs like the Outcasts could be small, could be a little bit more numerous, depending on if you're going for the cheap mercs or the more expensive ones. Rezzers are often pretty... Numerous, actually. Pretty numerous, yeah. too, because, you know, <laughs> zombies are easy to come by. So, the Neverborn, who seem like they would be, in my mind, the most vicious, because they're from, uh, they're from Malifaux, and they are that, like, monster-under-the-bed kind of thing, they're actually a little more conservative... That's, that's actually kind of interesting. Well, okay, now we're looking at one aspect of how they play. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So it's not saying that Neverborn are conservative, it's saying maybe you're going to want to keep that black joker in your hand. Gotcha, okay. Right, and I think that's the big difference to, and you, to you, make it's, there. it's hard to say yes or no until I see how the gang's built and how it's made to function. How's yeah, that? and synergy is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. So I think one of the last things I want to talk about 
with the fate decks and fate deck management is almost using your cards and how and when you're cheating to pull good cards out of your opponent's hand. So one of the things that you can do, especially as a Gremlin player when you have lots of activations, is you can do the things that matter less first and just try and work your way through the deck and get your opponent's good cards out. Because let's say you make an attack roll against one of their good models. Attack roll. Or attack flip. Attack flip. Sorry. Come on, even I know that. <laughs> we say it all the time. It's ingrained. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But if you can get them to really work their way through their, their cheat hand early, all of a sudden, your later activations are more likely to do things. Because if you still have cards in your hand versus his... Mm-hmm. Or the ability like a Bayou 2 card where you can actually flip off the, the Fate deck to maybe try and up your odds of succeeding when you're doing opposed duels. So kind of the same idea as like Dystopian, right? I have so many activations, I'm going to use my activations that don't really do anything the first couple turns I, and then let you come closer, hopefully, and then you'll, maybe, like, and then I'll activate my Dreadnought. Because there's times in Dystopian where you want that first activation uh, because maybe this model's not going to be around uh, for the rest and of the And the same turn. thing from Alpha. It is kind of dependent on the situation, yeah. but... It's almost like you're playing a game of poker against your opponent while you're playing Malifaux, but not in a, a clumsy way like I find the Dystopian's card mechanic works. Crap, I'm really bad at poker. It's just like, hey, play, let, let, let me just give you my money. That's, that's how I play poker. So uh, I'm just but it, it's kind of interesting because you're cheating based on what you think your opponent might have. And you're almost kind of hedging your bets. And sometimes... And it's also a guess on what you have. Like, it's very, very much a card game poker kind of setup. I see exactly what you're saying. But it doesn't take away from the actual miniature game. Like, it's not a clunky mechanic because it's so seamlessly built into the game Well, it's very much like the War Machine mechanic where you're adding it to, like, your map value, that kind of thing. Yeah. I I do like the card idea. It's something completely different from uh, existing systems and that sort of thing. Uh, I also saw that you guys had unique decks for your factions. Is that correct? So totally hobby aspect. This is what I actually really liked about... I haven't seen your deck, Mike. Okay. Mike's looked way better than Tom. (laughs) I haven't seen why I'm laughing. I haven't seen your deck. One one vowel off of something way different. Yep. Uh, But Tom, you had a a fan-made deck, right? So, okay, I'm going to go on a bit of a a positive, weird rant here. They actually allowed a a third-party guy who just loves gremlins to make a gremlin-based fate deck for them and sell 200 copies. They limited how many total he could make, but they allowed him to do it, and he advertised it on their forums because they have colored decks for the Neverborn, the Outcast, the Rezzers, the Arcanists, and the Guild, but the Ten Thunders and the Gremlins don't have them. No, because they weren't officially... Factions until M2E, Malifaux 2nd Edition. So they allowed them to do this, and they actually helped promote it. It it wasn't on their website for sale, but they were all for someone else actually being involved and actively making their game cooler. As opposed to suing him. Yeah, yeah, weird. Who does that? Shocking. Who? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but your 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 uh, your set of cars there is actually almost like some of them are a work of art. Like they look incredible. Yeah, they I think they're, they're amazing. I love them. There's a reason that I was like fifteen dollars to buy. Awesome, I'll get it. I went to check out and it said thirty dollars for the shipping. And I still clicked yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've completely missed Coach's Corner. This is not a tactical thing, but this also brings me to my next thing I want to talk about. You got talk about the bases in Malifaux. Okay, uh, let's just cap up, co- cap off Coach's Corner then. Yep. Just to kind of We're round it. We're gonna run over today, folks. Oh, we've already, already run have. way over. <laughs> but 
to just sum it up, the actual how you're cheating in Malifaux is a very strong way to have a better strategy than your opponent. It's a really good way to help you win, to mitigate your losses, to increase your odds here the and there. weirdest sentence. I, how uh, you sorry. cheat is how you win. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Did you write down all the uh, formulas? Uh, I, think, I think I know how to win now. I'll just cheat. Yeah. But it, there's a lot of ways to think about it, and don't always just try and go for the best cards. Sometimes, oh man, sorry, I need one quick little tangent rant. There's actually models in the game that treat positive flips as negative flips. Drunken. The, the drunken gremlins drunken who gremlins, I, I, I get sued. I'm sorry, this is like the coolest thing for it me. Actually, it actually makes a ton of sense, because when you're super drunk, you do terrible things, and sometimes yeah. they're good. Yeah, <laughs> so that is going to dramatically change how you're cheating. Because you're if you win, like let's say I flip Don't a ask king, any questions about that word. <laughs> Why not? I got, I got one good one. Is, is that, is that kind of like cutting off a bottle, like... End of champagne. Savoring a champagne bottle. You should always savor your champagne, kids. <laughs> Never backfires. Never end up with a with a cone of glass in your hand and a bunch of shards you're about to drink. Please, Anyways, continue on. Please ask Steve about that. But so that when they get released, it's going to dramatically change this yes. whole mechanic. Mike, do you have anything to kind of summarize up on this? Uh, no, no, that's that's all I can think of at the moment. I mean, other than you really should give this game a try. It's not super expensive to get into, and you, you'll love it if you get to give it a chance. You really will. Absolutely. So just to kind of, before we get into the bases, we'll just say the game itself, you can get a rule book for 15 bucks. The gang boxes run anywhere between 40 and 50 bucks Bucks, to get into, and that's a 35 soulstone gang typically, which is the point size a lot of us are playing at. So to get one gang in the rule book, it's a little over 50, maybe 60 bucks. 60 bucks, 65. Fate decks, I think, are about 8 bucks each. But in a heartbeat, you can use your old deck of cards in the cupboard if you want. Any bicycle set will work just fine for you. So I think you guys have sold me on this, and Mike, I know you've been working on those archers. What? What? I am going to be playing that faction. Yeah. <laughs> you go right ahead. I've got like they look amazing. Four factions. And I was going. kind of on the fence, wasn't so sure about it, but after today's talk, I actually really like this. I'm super excited about it. Already. It's such a fun game. And you were asking about the base inserts. They actually make I love this. Almost love all this. of their factions, they have uh, because it does use the RS style bases, yep. much like War Machine that have the lip around them. RS for anybody that does not know super gamer terms, is rounded shoulder. Yes. As opposed to beveled. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> um, so it's the War Machine stuff. Yep. So they actually make inserts to put in them, and there's Bayou ones for the Neverborn. They there's have Wild Orphanage West. ones, Wild West. West. They have actually dock workers, so you can use it with the serial killer Seamus. Do they have train track workers? I want to. I don't want to be. <laughs> don't Read between have, the lines. Wait, there. Are we talking about the models or the bases? The bases. Both. <laughs> um, they yes have and rail no. workers. They, they have, have rail workers, workers for, for the Ten Thunders, for, which is which. The, which particular faction? Uh, well, you know what? The Ten Thunders historically are, accurate. Let's histori- that. Okay. The, the Ten Thunders <laughs> are the hybrid of the Japanese and Chinese rail workers. Yes. Rail workers. Yeah. All right. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also get what well, we haven't been in the RS or rounded shoulder. You can get in transparent colors That's for each on. faction. So oh yeah! You can get red for guilds. You can get purple for Neverborn. You can get root blue. beer for gremlins. Okay, root beer. Yeah, they're brown. Gremlins, they're shit brown. brown. They're shit brown. <laughs> root beer brown. <laughs> but either way, or malt liquor brown. I don't know. Every Try faction has its own color. And you Ten can Thunders, tell me what I'm what I'm orange. Buy. You can have orange. Oh, My guess was yellow. I was shit. close. Oh, oh, oh come on! Oh. 
Okay. Only Mike can make that joke. Uh, but actually, orange. That I, sounds awesome. Shoot. I'm even more excited. Shoot, that's my favorite color. Now I might have to play that faction. Done. There's three groups of there. <laughs> that, that's how I base my rules. Just play on different everything. masters, yes. and it is not such there's a more big than deal. There's more than three. Because Jacob Lynch is a dual faction too. Oh, okay. The yep. demon possessed casino owner. Yeah. Also can yes, run a bunch awesome. of. Okay. <laughs> side note: Always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's true. Jacob yeah. Lynch is Danny DeVito in that basement. <laughs> that is creepy, but awesome. Where, I, I'm in. I'm where, sold. 100% where, sold. Uh, in addition to the bases, uh, another question is where can I find this game? Where is the easiest way to find it? You can find it when you're rolling around on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I've had the most luck with Roy at Thunderground. He's, Locally, he, absolutely. Uh, he gets, he's got some in, and he will get them for in for you if you uh, ask. So if you're on the intertubes, they, uh, their website has a full web store. Okay, gotcha. Now, one of the things I... Okay, this, I love this company so much. Yeah. Total fanboy. But they really? actually... You're fangirling right now, actually. Mm. Right. <laughs> I'm lactating. <laughs> so but they, they wait a couple weeks before they put products on their web store to give all of the brick-and-mortar retailers a chance to sell it first. What? What? Yeah, they actually they won't put it on their website for a week or two after the models are released and sent to the retailers. That is so the opposite of what we're used to. That's like, right. helping the community. Who would do it the other so, way? You know I'm who, you know who doesn't? Away right you know now. who doesn't need to sell broadsides? Brick and mortar retailers. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't have any. Or wave serpents. That's not a unit that's good. No. So don't worry, they won't need those. On top of that, <laughs> they have a contest annually where if you go and buy stuff from a brick and mortar retailer, not an online one, but a brick and mortar and email them a picture of your receipt, they'll put you in a draw for cool models. Okay, well, let's that not stop cool. talk about this because I'm upset. I bought three Imperial Knights and <laughs> I don't didn't get that. So <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, wow. shocking. I know, again. Wow. Uh, no, they're such a fantastic company. Uh, and as far as they've been good to work with, anytime you have missing parts, just email them, they send it back to you. So let's... I, this is going to be a stupid rating. What would you give Malifaux out of the puck system? Now, the only problem it has right now, and the only reason I'm going to give it four, is that they are making a cooler product than they expected, and it's kind of hard to get the rules. So it's, it's a five, five except fast. for the rule book. It's a five, except for the fact that it's hard to keep in stock anywhere. That's, it's silly all right, that's, that's, that's just... clearly not a four. That's a five with one caveat. Yeah. Like, how about you? Oh, no, it, same. But... It's, it's going to be five, but like I said, the hardest thing is some of the items you can't get right away because they're selling too fast. I'm impressed. I'm going to drag out this podcast and ask you two, Mike and Tom, what factions could you see the three of us playing for our playstyle? Well, well, you know question. Us. Okay, you know Dan us. would be definitely either Guild or Outcasts. Are they Space Marines? <laughs> no. Excellent question. <laughs> but here's the thing. In almost every game that I've played with Dan, he always does some kind of lawman-esque faction. Yeah, I usually have a hard time. <laughs> I have a hard time being the bad guy. Or Do you the like outcasts are very borderlands. There's really no good guys. Oh, Actually, I will agree with this. Yeah. In Mass Effect, the only questions you asked were about the Paragon ending, so side the point. <laughs> well, I worked that company for a long time. Then he played Lawman in Legends of the Old West, which is the closest analog we have for this right now. I had to okay. kick you back over the border, though. <laughs> I did play the Banditos. <laughs> oh, that's... The, the only this, mission... This podcast is questionably racist. <laughs> the only <laughs> mission we ever played out of the main rule 
rule book was very literally, I had to chase him back across the center line of the table. The rule book itself <laughs> made us racist. We put a fence there. So, so, so wait, hang on. So, Dan's guild or outcast, yeah. actually, the model that he bought was outcast, oh. and they're kind of the mercenaries that have a little bit more of that borderlandsy kind of look to them. Okay, cool. all right, interesting. How about me? You're, I think you're rating the 10 Thunders here. Yes, I'm going to buy 10 Thunders. You, Ward, I think you would be Neverborn or Gremlins. I almost would maybe throw Arcanists in there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because Arcanists are a lot of cool monsters. Like, it's a lot of conjurers and summoners, so... There's ice gammons and fire gammons. And that's Rasputina. Mechanical spiders. Rasputina. That's the one. Oh, yeah, mechanical spiders, which are impossible wait, 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 to put wait, together. Rasputina? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know. It's the Moving on. version of Rasputin. Yeah, that's what I was well, kind of hoping it wasn't. Yeah. It, well, no, she doesn't have a beard. <laughs> was Thank God. A little God. worried that that's a possibility. We were talking about no, dead. It's, okay. it's kind of, <laughs> things could gotten weird. Okay, all right. Well, they, it is weird. Maybe I'll have that's to true. take a look at those Weird with a Y. That's yeah. true, it is weird with the water. Um, but the neat thing about it is that, uh, just to follow up a little bit, if you want to get into this game, like we were saying, it's that $50, $60 investment, yep. to be 100% competitive in the format we're talking about, where you pick your masters after the okay, objectives. You're probably the 200 mark now. Yeah, because you want three masters, Yep, and then you're going to have to buy a few add-on blisters for each one. Totally reasonable in this day and age. And yeah. you got you guys did run it at your out of the basement open in January yes. and plans for doing it a hundred percent doing it in July. So that brings awesome. us to our next segment. It does. Are we going to talk about one upcoming event? Well, are you running two, this? two two upcoming events? Sure, go ahead. All right. I have no idea what we're talking about. Let's go on. So it's just a recap of Onslaught. So I just don't know what the second one is. All the different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really confused about. Well, that we could plug our event for later. Out of, yeah, no, that, go ahead. that's the thing. We're going to talk about the systems for Out of the Basement and then Onslaught. So again, very similar systems between both uh, tournaments going on. So Onslaught again has seven systems total. It has Warhammer 40k, Warhammer, War Machine, X-wing, Attack Wing. Dystopian Wars and Firestorm Armada. So seven systems over two days. When is it, Ward? It is May 10th and 11th. There are still spots available in all the different systems. Uh, this is now going to be crunch time. At the release of this podcast, it should be about two weeks out. Correct? One week. One week out? Sure. So make sure you get your tickets as soon as possible. Yeah, so this is actually the urgent broadcast. Go the urgent. If you're not signed up, make sure you are. There Do we have a bell we oh, can just ring? Violently? And a red we flashing don't. light. Flashing lights on the podcast ain't going to work. Crap. <laughs> we, should start selling, we should start selling those Budweiser uh, oh. hockey. And then have it sync to the podcast. Sync to the podcast where we can just hit a button and suddenly everybody's like freaking out in the basement. Then they know when the podcast is released. That would be released. so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> is my house on fire? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, so, it's bad. So, so that's what's going on for Onslaught at the release of this. Uh, again, lots of other events have already passed. And upcoming then for Malifaux. Well... You mean, or for the other basement tournament we're running. Which will have Malifaux. Absolutely. It's going to be July <laughs> 4th, 5th, and 6th. On the 4th, which is a Friday, we're going to be running a 35 Soulstone Malifaux event, a 125-point X-Wing event, a 125-point Attack Wing event, a 1,000-point Drop Zone event. I'm actually really, really Ooh. kind of torn right now. Drop Zone or Malifaux. Yeah. It's going to be... You, it, have, you have more Drop Zone, though. I, but mm, yeah, but Malifaux is really cool. <laughs> um, and you would be about half of the drop zone players in the city. Yeah, I know, but but drop zone. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Really good. And uh, in we gotta talk about that Infinity. Oh, totally. Infinity okay. will be as well. I don't know if we have the point size finalized for that one yet. I don't know enough about it. Yet. I think around three hundred. Bosco, get points. back to us. Yes. Uh, on the Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be running two-day Warhammer Fantasy and 40K events. Uh, we're going to be running a War Machine 50-point Steamroller on the Saturday and a 50-point Team event on the Sunday, which tentatively is slated to have eight teams of three playing in a WTC-style event. And then we're going to be doing Firestorm and Dystopian on the Friday and Saturday, we just have, or the Saturday and Sunday, we just haven't finalized exactly when that is, and it's likely going to be 800 points for Firestorm and a thousand points for Dystopian. Cool, nice, That's awesome. Nice. So yeah, big big events happening. I mean, the summer is usually when all of them happen too, right? So that's true. Yeah. So this podcast is going to be uh, about a week out from being actually on the air. So when you do hear this. Keep up to date on the Facebook page. We'll try and link events coming out. Or it came from out of the basement. The one of the, the club's Facebook page often has links to a lot of the events happening in and around Edmonton and Calgary, and across Alberta. So if you want to keep up to date on those kinds of things, stay tuned to those various. And if there's pages. events that you think we should know about, uh, send us some information on that too. And uh, yeah, we can put up some information. We would Definitely. love to. In fact, most of us would like to know about them so we can go to them. Okay, well, this has been a long podcast. We've gone way overboard. So thank you for listening to my crazy rant about Malifaux, the game that I love so much. Not even Malifaux, just Gremlins. Admit it, it's just Oh, God, I love Gremlins so much. Anyways, we should should continue the sign-off. Yeah, so I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Captain Steve. (laughs) I can't follow that up, so I'm just bored. (laughs) Mike. And I am Dan. So thanks for tuning in, and for the love of God, paint your damn models! Yeehaw!